welcome back to the Kindling Podcast. We have our uh, guests Kuhn and Andrew from Strains Limited. Uh, generally, when I uh, when we do these podcasts, there's a lot of uh, intense research on LinkedIn, uh, etc., that I kind of get a little bit of a profile on our guests. But today we've got an interesting one. It's a total black box here today. We uh, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna tell a story about legacy to legal. Um, and uh, a couple characters that really drove that that story. Um, they're they're very prolific in, in the industry. They're well well known, renowned, in fact. And I'm um, happy to have them here. Coon Andrew, thanks for coming. Thank you, brother. Thank thanks, you man. for having us. You know, like like you said, it's uh, it's funny that you say you know like um, trying to be on camp, like doing the shows and that kind of stuff. Because our life was the opposite of this. You know, where it's like you never wanted to be in the spotlight. You never wanted to talk about these things. You never wanted to even have these type of conversations, right? Right. So it's it's also a little different for us, and that's why, like, when you go back to saying a black box. That's that's what it is, bro. It's, we come from that black market, right? So totally. that that history was never really out there. But now that we're doing something that you know we're passionate about, we're proud about that we're doing it legally, you know, it's something that now we can actually express ourselves and give the story out, right? So it's a it's a good time for everybody right now. Totally. And how do you approach that now with this kind of? Uh, I mean, we're just starting out in this podcast, but. Um, at kindling, but how would you approach this now? Like, is it sort of, you know, is it a habit where you're like, no, 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 I gotta, you know, be, you know, go to ground and not make too much noise kind of thing as I move or what is that like for you? Well, so now it's more like we're trying to get more comfortable with doing these type of things so that people can get the story, right? Because like like I said, it was just such a different vibe before where you couldn't be like this loud and you couldn't express your feelings and what you thought and all that because you never know what's going to happen the next day, right? So now it's so much better that we can actually show our passion and show our knowledge, which is the biggest thing, without having to look over our backs, you know, anymore. Totally. And let's uh, let's talk about that a little bit. So how did it start for, for you guys? Was it always strains um, or like how did your partnership start? How did the concept, what was the, you know, what was that seed that started to uh, germinate there for you? Oh, man, that's a, that's a, that's a long, long, long one, bro. <laughs> that started in grade seven, let's say, you know what I'm So, um, and honestly, the, the crazy part is it started in grade seven with this guy right beside me, which is Andrew, one of my best friends, you know? So it, it's, a, it's a blessing that we were able to do this together, right? So um, pretty you much. You've been at it together since grade seven. Well, you know, wow. we've known each other that long, but like we've obviously had our breaks in between throughout life and growing up. We both have, you know, little breakups families. here and there. Yeah, and we have kids and stuff like that, right? So right. for me, it was like it's been my love and passion since day one, bro. When grade seven, we fell in love with it. You know, that what was, was it about? It was it the culture, like your friends, like you looked up to other guys at your school or people no. that you idolized, or was it just literally the first time you tried? You're like, this is what's up. Yeah, it yeah. was more like we were probably the first ones to do it out of our group and oh, to yeah. get into it, right? So it was like, pretty much once high school hit, it was like the whole. We started at the whole beginning of kind of like the history of cannabis where everything started at cess pretty much when we started right there was no there was no crazy high grades like you're seeing today right what is that sorry i'm totally new by the way and you're gonna get a glimpse of that as we talk about this stuff <laughs> no, but no, no, that's you know you're gonna have to explain you know to me like Instead a three-year-old because so much i'll let even andrew get into that there we go it, you know no yeah when we started it was literally cess and dro 
So there was no like this strain and that strain. It was cess was basically like imported brickweed from uh, yeah. usually like Jamaica or Mexico or something. And then it was dro, which basically that was the green bud. And that was just whatever was in the bag was called dro. So that's okay. how we started pretty much, you know, and um, that's all it was. There was no like lounges, dispensaries. There was nothing like that. It was just us like on the corner, you know, and right, it, right. that's the dime bags and those yeah. kind of things. So, yeah, man, that's that's exactly where it came from. you know. And it was it was love at first sight. You know, it was something about it that is just, yeah, I want to be doing this or feeling this way all the time. So. Right. And it was product first. It wasn't like the business side of it for you, you know, like you fell in love with the actual product and then like everything else trailed off of it or was it? Yeah, sort of, this is like strictly yeah. smoking weed, you know, right, that's, right. that's all it was. I like being high. I like I like what's going on here. So nice. the whole culture, like the whole thing about it, too, the little bit of that, like it's like, you know, not, people are telling you not to do it. You know, we come from like when we started smoking, there was commercials like, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs. It was that girl that turned into a puddle in the couch. The, exactly. <laughs> and everyone was trying to find what that was. What strain was that exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just for... So, but yeah, that's how it was, you know? So it was a kind of thing where like, yo, we're doing something we're not supposed to, but... It's, right. it's good, you know, so yeah, yeah, just stuck. That's it. Totally. Does it make it less fun now that it's legal? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, I would say so, bro. <laughs> I would 1,000% because, like, the vibe changed from, like, we're very... <laughs> You know, we're we're just we're just general like just street regular guys where it's it had nothing to do with corporations or big you know, big companies or anything like that. It was all just for the love of it, right? And then for somebody like me, it was like I saw that this was my life and this was my passion and I'm like, no matter what, I'm gonna try to stick to this and you know, growing up we always had that envision that it was going to legalize and eventually maybe it would happen in our in our time. Right. And then sure enough, the more and more like we, you know, we're a big part of the culture of that where we fought for it. You know, we would be at these rallies. We would be at the events. We would be with, you know, all the influencers trying to push that narrative of like, look, we know we are the people who know that this plant helps so many people as well as it it enhances your life you know your body is made up of a cannabinoid system like there is nothing better that you could think of that's meant for your body right so it was just the fact of like growing through pretty much the knowledge so like when andrew says it started at like cess and hydro at those points there was no like real strains and stuff like that you know as we got into say high school then you started to see stuff like chocolate tie and that kind of stuff which again was more on like the sensi side you know and then hydro was more it was like this is indoor grown hydro is indoor grown it's green this is crazy you know and then it kind of just blew up from there so i actually left toronto in the early 2000s and went out to to vancouver and lived out there for a few years and that's where i learned a lot of my stuff how to grow different strains all that kind of stuff right you know, fast forward, came back to came back to Toronto, and I was like, "Look, this is this is my life. I got to do something." So, me and my other boy, we opened up our first shop in like 2012, and we had that literally for 11 years, just teaching like the cafe type concept. It was actually a head shop. Oh, nice. You know, that was the first store, and then from that, then we ended up opening up four dispensaries. We had a 
an actual lounge, 420 lounge, and we used to do crazy events, infused dinner nights. We'd bring in comedians. We'd bring in music artists, so like Freeway, Waka, DJ Who Kid. So you're like 10 years before what that, because that's happening ex- now. This exactly. stuff is happening now, and it's like a way to skirt regulations, but you're doing this 10 years ago, you're saying? Like Absolutely. 2012. Yeah, man. And that that's kind of where our history began, too, because a lot of the stuff that you see, we created that culture, and we taught a lot of people, right? So even in our dispensaries, what you see now, we were like you're saying we were doing that 10 15 years ago we were uh, already packaging in jars with labels with thc with branding starting to think about branding exactly on there because even even though we had the dispensaries it was still catered to medical patients that's that's who we would you know bring in and we would try to mainly help them to find what strains work best for them too right because a lot of people would come in with so many different ailments and that's where we're like look from the lounge, we're like, we got to help these people because we have so much knowledge, right? And that's how we got so big within the industry is because we were finding strains that worked for people, you know? And, and it, that was happening at that point in time. It wasn't just sort of like, you know, I'm going to go watch a movie or whatever. It was sort of, exactly. you know, like my knee hurts. I've got inflammation. Exactly. I can't exactly. sleep. I've got anxiety. And th- that's what you were seeing at that time, too. Absolutely. And wow. it was so many things from like cancer patients to multiple multiple sclerosis to like all these different ailments. And we would have these people come in and be so happy that they're getting real information, right? Because at the end of the day, like the only people who know are people who've been in it for that long and who've gone through so who've many lived straight, it. exactly, right? There is no research like that that was out there like that, right? So yeah. we were the people giving that info. And now it's like it's a little unfortunate cuz certain stores you're not allowed to give that info by by law, right? right? So it's like unless you're a health practitioner, you shouldn't be giving it. But it has to be like wink wink nod kind of thing. Ex- exactly, right? Where in the in the legacy days, I had judges, doctors, all these different p- people that would come to our dispensaries because we had the knowledge and we would help them. We would get these crazy emails and messages from people saying how much we changed their lives because they're able to get their life back, you know, being right. able to be mobile, being able to walk again. Cause really we eat when you're going through chemo. Exactly. You know, people right. that couldn't sleep, people who, you know, just so many ailments. And that's kind of where it we were like, look, we got to do more of this because we're helping so many people. And that's why within like, you know, a few months, we were up to like four dispensaries so quick because it was just helping people in all different areas and that kind of stuff, right? And how does that work at the time? Because it's pre-legalization. So we're talking 2012 through, say, 2015. Um, It's sort of a gray market, gray area. You're providing a service, obviously. You believe in your mission here. So how does it work? Like, what's your lifestyle like in, in, in that time period for you guys? Like, what does it look like? Are you... You know, is it a? F- it's obviously a full time job, Absolutely, but um, bro. you know, so how does that work at that time? It, it, even at that time, it was like any other regular corporate business. You know, you have your set employees, you have processes, you have all the same marketing tools that you would have to do. We would get deal with you know printing companies, advertise companies, deal going out to papers, bus stands, all those things, trying to see wherever we could do our thing, right? So it kind of had the same thing, but it was just a bit more of an organic thing where we're all guys from, you know, the streets that don't have that type of knowledge, just, just learned it, you know? And it was just through doing it, really. Yeah. Right? You just rose to the next challenge sort of thing. Okay, so we have four now. Now we need to have systems to kind of exactly. make sure that our inventory doesn't drip away Ex- through exactly. shrinkage or whatever it is, yeah. right? That's interesting. So do you find that you have a bit of resentment for people like me who come into the industry now and are you know doing the things that you did 10 years ago, but you had to do it through 
you know, arrests and tickets and fines and, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, three. And now here I pay four grand and I'm licensed. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I wouldn't say that, bro. I wouldn't, I don't have resentment because like everything in history, bro, there has to be a point where something changes, you know? And it's like, we're the ones that kind of had that happen to and did that so that the better can now start growing. Right. So for me, it's more, spreading the knowledge and getting people to understand like look even though you're getting realize where this all came from realize the people who did all this and did so much to make this happen right but other than that it's about teaching guys like you and getting more people on board right so for us we love we love spreading the knowledge you know like you'll you'll get to companies where they don't want to bring you into their facility they don't want to bring you into their grows none of that because majority of times they have issues right for us we're so on point with everything we want you to come through ask us any question we'll teach you we'll we'll tell you what we do because at the end of the day we're so passionate but we're so confident also in what we do that that, that there's a difference why we are where we are, you know, in the right. industry and why we do what we do. Right. Yeah. It's, you have it's, nothing to hide. It's not, it's and it's not it luck. Right. It's right. like, that's where a lot of people be like, yo, you have to have luck to this. No, it's our passion and our love that we never, the main thing, bro, is we never chase the bag. You know, we never chase money. We always chase what we loved. We always chase the plan. And that's what kind of got us to where we were, where I always tell people, I'm like, you always chase, chase your passion and the money will come bro if you're chasing the money that'll never come you know and you're persistent i mean this is not overnight at all i mean like you could look at the ocs numbers and say okay strains is an overnight success but this is 2008 that you're opening these you know dispensaries and cafes and helping people out so that's interesting so the the operation at that time was i mean from the sounds of it fairly retail operation centric like you're yeah you're moving product through and you're trying to you know help the public, serve the public um, at that point. So where does it start to, the brand around it start to manifest? Where does the idea for, maybe I'm premature on the strains uh, introduction, but tell me about the brand starting to form in your mind around these operations as you're finding market response, you know? For sure. So the, the way you got strains, to be honest, is because in the legacy side, it was called Strains Connoisseur Club. So we called it Strains because we literally had over 100 strains at all time, bro. And it was like all fire, all real quads. Is all this on the building and the signs? Like, is that, or, you know what I mean? Like, are you advertising at that point? No. We have the four. No, we operate, don't. Not yeah. at all. It was all, gotcha. Yeah, it was all kind of word of mouth. Because, again, it was all it was all to medical patients, too. So you had to be part of the ACMPR. You had to have your license. Like, that. we weren't kind of just doing it to anybody that just walked off the street, right? Because, again, that was kind of where the gray market, gray, like, the loophole was, right? So it's like, as long as we were providing it to medical patients, that was our thing. Because, again, we were medical patients too right so pretty much it kind of it kind of all built through that that kind of way right so like having uh, a strain for any given uh you know use occasion ailment whatever that's your that's your ethos exactly like we would get people that come in and be like look i've used you know cannabis for 10 years right i love it but i find like sometimes I get anxiety or my heart starts to race or whatever. And then we would work with them to be like, okay, you know what? Try that. We're going to give you this strain. What's your ailment? Oh, you you have, you know, back pain. Okay, well, try this, this strain. This is actually meant to soothe your back, right? Or soothe your knees, whatever it was, right? So we would work with them on certain strains. And within like, say, 
two or three times of them trying different ones, boom, they found their one. How do you know that? Like, how, how do you figure that out? So it's kind of like, obviously, it's trying and trial and error, trying and error. But, um, <laughs> like, is it sort of you try one and it's like, okay, I've sunk into the couch here. I feel like my muscles relaxing. My, you know, shoulder pain from the gym earlier is kind of subsiding. So we're going to call this and we're going to write about this one being sort of like a physical um, anti-inflammatory, Exa- the strain. Ex- That's basically what it exactly. is. Exactly. And right. it's more from like a collective of people. It wouldn't be just say like me and Andrew sitting there being like, oh, our, our knees feel good right now. It's like <laughs> we're connected to so many people that, you know, we're getting that information too. So now it's almost like even though it's all word of mouth and it's not on like an Excel sheet or something, you're hearing from 50 other people that use that strain that how it affected them and helped them. And now you can take that information and provide it to somebody else, right? Is that really all that uh, right now is forming the basis for these recommendations? Is it anecdotal or there there is genetic sort of studies on it now, right? Now it's all scientific, you know? Now they actually have like real, real data to show where we come from the age of test just trying it out you right. know and now it's getting to the point where you know there's real data behind real things process. right yeah exactly because even like when we look at our grow techniques right like we grow from the plant being like we we can go into a room and be like okay this needs more calcium this is lacking nitrogen this is just from the look right and Come stuff on. like that where that's where that's where the knowledge comes from for doing this for so long, where now you have actual guys that go to school for it that can be right. like, oh, we did this test and it's lacking this much of that. And this so right. and have alphabet suit up after their name ex- kind of thing. Exactly. You know, so again, we're learning too new stuff, but it's also like wow. we've learned from the fact of just trial and error. Right. Amazing. So. so do you ever run into issues like that where you're like, actually, I know more than you, sir, doctor, whatever the fuck. But we, I call you know what I mean? the doctor now. You gotcha, know? Gotcha, because yeah, yeah. Like, the doctor's in session yeah, he's got a shoulder bro. bag and he's ready <laughs> exactly this guy's like surpassed now my knowledge with growing because now again andrew's now the master grower and also you know big part of the company right so his 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 expertise is crazy to me i we call him the doctor now you know nice. so. so so your role i guess obviously made by the tone of this so far is marketing and you know put operations and you're the grower you're the geneticist you're the sci- mad scientist huh? pretty much yeah man nice. I'm, I'm the one hiding in the rooms with the plants and stuff you know right I'm, I'm not the i'm not on the outside and networking and all that too much so. right right that's how I stayed in the dark there. <laughs> I love it. So how did you, uh, I guess it is just over time that you can actually, you can eyeball a plant and be, you know, pretty well, sure of what's lacking. For sure, yeah. Wow. It's, it's kind of, I mean, again, it's just like doing it so often, you know, it's like, it, it's not like a set it and forget it kind of thing when you're growing, you know, where like I'm in there every day, like, and it, you know, it's been like 365 days a year. So you're, you're in there every day, you see the plants growing, you see the same strains growing over and over and you just, you get an eye for it. Right. And you yeah. know, but yeah, it, it essentially it does come down to just like, you know, the plants are dictating what, what we're doing for them or, you know, right. is it time for this or that or whatever it is, but it's always, you could tell hundred percent by the plant like a totally like 90 percent of, of deficiencies stuff you know like what I, that. I was watching this show alone recently where they're like they get dropped off on an island and they have yeah. to you know survive by themselves <laughs> and i noticed a pattern that it's always the guys and girls that are like respectful of the of the environment and are like ni- like trying to find a rhythm with the plant versus like trying to muscle it into doing what they want it to do so is that sort of like like you're talking about you come in and you see what the plant needs so you're just trying to find a harmonious relationship with it so like 
you know, you put a certain fertilizer in last week and it's not responding well. Okay, mm -hmm. so this strain doesn't, you know, enjoy this particular. Exactly. You know, is that basically it? Yeah, because every strain is going to grow a little bit differently. I mean, you can throw multiple strains in a room and have them all turn out really good, but we try to kind of dial in one room and one strain to say, you know, if this strain is going in this room, this we want it to grow like this throughout the whole cycle. So it's just, yeah, man, it's just we're always making little changes, trying to do better. It's, again, it's not like I know everything or anything, like, right. even close to that, you know? Like, I, I wouldn't consider myself a master grower or nothing, but, I mean, I like, you know, I just love, like, I Very love humble. growing in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, I love growing, and I love weed, so it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm in the garden the every day, and that's, yeah, I'm good with it, you know? That's so, awesome. Yeah. What was the first time you uh, planted something in the intention of consuming it? Um, Not like a tomato, though. When's the first time you planted a cannabis plant? Honestly, like, my parents always used to grow, like, they had vegetable oh, really? gardens and stuff. Not weed, though. Okay, but, like, got, you, got you. But, you know, I would, like, throw, like, a seed in their garden, or I would try in the closet at home, or just something, you know? And it was, it was honestly, like, I haven't even been growing for that long. I would say, like, you know, I kind of just jumped into it. Maybe my timelines are horrible, but maybe, like, seven, eight years ago, and just, like... But since then, it's been every day since then, you know. Like that's when you took it professionally sort of thing and you yeah, took it as a like job. Like when it started, exactly. Because, right. you know, at those times, again, when what Canal's talking about too, like your mortgage, everything depends on it. So, I mean, you can't fail, you know. Like if, if you're growing in a big space, like it doesn't matter legacy or legal, like you, your paycheck, everything depends on that, that harvest. Plant. So. And even more so on the on the legacy side, right? So right. it was always something that, like, you don't want to screw around with that at the same totally. time, you know? That's that's your bread and butter. That's everything, so. I feel like there's, speaking of those those risks to harvest, I feel like there's similar sort of challenges. They're just different. Like, like you said, uh, you know, each harvest is kind of determining what your income is. So, like, on the legacy side, you're running into different challenges to that income versus like dealing with the OCS or like a buyer or retail partners or whatever. So can you speak to sort of like the difference between those two? Like, you know, you're, they're probably having different stresses as a legacy grower. For sure. Well, I mean, like one, one big thing, like if you're working on the legal side, you're pretty much getting a paycheck. Right. Right. So when you're working on the legacy side, you don't eat unless you harvest and it comes out good and it could be sold. So right there, like those were the those are the main differences, I think, like people coming into this, they have a chance to survive, even if they kind of make some mistakes, just knowing you're getting a salary or a paycheck or something. Yeah, there's yeah, their there's benefits package there. there. Right? Yeah. It's right. not like on the right. legal side, you can't be like, oh, you know, you effed up the harvest like you're not getting paid. Like you can't do that to someone. So it's kind of, right. and who are you going to go to? Like I, you didn't get paid like in the yeah. legacy market. <laughs> that, <laughs> that too, you Nine know? One. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. That's why there's so much, like I would say there's pros and cons for each side. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like the legacy side, obviously a lot of the pros is like, you don't have to follow no regulations. You don't have to have that many people involved. So your overhead and costs are way lower, you know, stuff like that. On top of it, it's like everything is moved in bulk and is, is like kind of market rate. Right. So you're not fighting with who's going to sell it, who's going to buy it, what prices are going to go out. It is what it is and it moves. Right. So 
the legacy side way way easier to move things and to like operate right, right? way way less expensive as well the overhead way cheaper where you know the legal side oh my god it's crazy bro it's it (laughs) it was it was never anything what i thought it was gonna be like you know like did you have stars in your eyes when it like first legalized you're like i'm gonna be yeah we were like oh this is crazy (laughs) this is gonna be nuts you know this is our dream happening right now we're gonna and then it was like oh wait a second like it's insane to get a license it's first of all you got to dump millions into a build first of all they won't even look at you until you built out a place so that's That's nuts yeah so like i used to have people come into my store that were also like in midst of their licensing and there was people that would be like look we've spent six million on our place and it's been a year and a half and we're still not licensed you know so these are the things where i was like yo this is crazy how are we gonna get into this right so um I actually was lucky enough when I had, when I started opening all these dispensaries, I ended up meeting through a family member, my mom actually, a really good uh, guy who owns a bunch of uh, pharmacies down here. And his idea was like, he was like, yo, you're doing so good in this, you know, dispensary thing. I want to hopefully sell cannabis in my pharmacies when it, when it legalizes. Right. So that was that. So he kind of came on and was like, look, why don't I partner with you guys and we'll start, start something. Right. So pretty much we connected back in like 2016, 2017. That's when I, I was like, look, let's link up. I'll take over the whole licensing, the, des- the design and build out and everything. He had the property. So we kind of just connected us three went, Went ham at it, started, I, I linked up with David Hyde, who's, uh, again, one of the top guys when it comes to, like, security and doing all the security licensing and stuff like that. He actually does a lot of crazy stuff outside the cannabis industry, too, right? So my neighbor happened to introduce me to him, and then, boom, he kicked it off with us. We ended up doing the licensing. It took us about a year and a half to build it out. By two years, we finally got the license. And then last May, we got our sales license. And then just maybe six months ago, we started getting into Ontario. So now we're in Ontario, Northwest Territories, and Saskatchewan. And in Ontario, bro, we can't even keep the product in in stock. That is crazy. So you're going two and a half years without a penny of sales. Absolutely. Holy shit. And where where is that located, that facility? So that's in Uxbridge. So it's just about 40 minutes up the 404, and boom, you're right there. Nice. Close. During that process, was there ever a possibility that you just wouldn't go legal? Like, fuck it, let's keep going. We're, you know, why, why, you know, put our head up and incur the wrath of, le- like, tax legislation. Yeah. You know, rule changes every four minutes. That you know, like, oh no, no, now you can't sell eight grams. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. Whatever. Yeah, you know what? You think about that the whole time. To be honest, you know, like because it was so challenging and so hard to do this and get to where it was, it was the thought of like, am I doing the right thing? Should I just scrap it and go back to that life or whatever? But I knew, bro, I knew and I saw the changes happening in like 2015 that the market would never be the same for the legacy side, you know, especially here. So it was like we either get lost in the dust or we ride with the ride with the car you know and get to the top right so and i guess there's also like that impetus for you you guys both said you have kids i don't know if you're comfortable with me sharing that but um like 
Yeah, I mean, your wife or partner who like you're is probably like, how long can this last? Like, it might you know crumble tomorrow. Whereas at least legal, we can you know have some sort of system behind us, exactly. bad, good, or whatever you want to exactly. say about it. Like, there's actually a system that we can you know go to to appeal whatever happens. So definitely, I would say our girls are probably much yeah. happier. Yeah, you know, like that. yeah, circuitously. Yeah, bro. It's you know what living in the legacy side as much as like it's it was an amazing ride and an amazing way to build the culture and be a part of it and everything it's also mad stressful and mad you know to be honest scary and shit because you never know when somebody's coming to knock your door down or do stuff like that so it's like you're always worried especially if you have a girl and kids and stuff you have to be like look you gotta dip from the house or you gotta think something might whatever i don't even want to get into all that stuff but you know i'm saying like you there's a lot more craziness involved for your family on that side where this side now they can actually talk about you and say hey my my thing owns this now and right. is it part of this shit yeah. that's actually legal and is you know i have a linkedin yeah it's got nothing on it yeah. but you got one yeah, no, I what about how do you use linkedin i use it as instagram bro <laughs> there you, you go know, yeah that's it. It. And to be honest once i started doing that that's where people started being like oh yeah, who's who's this guy, right? Like, wh- what's going on? These guys have some real fire, and they're not putting up, like, all this business-related. It was literally like, yo, this is what we're growing. This is how crazy it hit, and it just started blowing up. Now, I see mad people on LinkedIn doing that, which they crazy, never right? did before, yeah. you know? So, it's, uh, again, it's all, it's all, it all has to happen at somewhere. Somebody has to make the change, right? And that's why I'm a very big advocate of, like, trying to normalize cannabis so it's like if you're at an event if you're out at whatever i'll be the first one to be like look bro if you have a glass of wine or your beer out it shouldn't it that should be okay to me have my joint out or my spliff out to it's the same thing you know why is it okay for you to ask your kid to pass you your beer or your or your wine glass but it's so bad for them to see some plants on a table being grinded up and rolled or something like that you know doesn't make sense to me so there, there, there's tons of things, bro. <laughs> like I could go in forever about all this stuff. Oh my right? God, totally, totally. Back to that, uh, what you said about the lifestyle. I don't know. Is there like any, like obviously it's a day-to-day stressor, but there's any close calls where you're like, okay, this is enough. Like I'm sure there is, right? If you, you're not supposed to share these, yeah? I got, yeah, I got crazy, crazy <laughs> ones, bro. I'll, I'll let this you. This one. Yeah, this I'll, one. Uh, I'll maybe tell you off it. Okay, okay, all right. We'll leave it for off I like that, okay. Yeah, if you don't mind. It's just, yeah. Subscribe for the VIP stories. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We'll do, like, you know, encoded thing where they can't, like, copy the message or (laughs) something like that. Totally, totally. Morse code stories. Yeah. so why would you say that your uh, your product is sold out in Ontario? Because it's it is. I mean, you can't you can't wholesale it at all and, and bring it in. So what what drives that? I mean, you know, your Instagram and in terms of like marketing, it's fairly low key. I I was tough to find stuff for you. So like, how does that? What drives that? Yeah, a lot of it, bro. It comes down to quality. Like you're saying, our Instagram and all that. We're also like I, I joke on our Instagram. I say most deleted account because right. we've gotten up to like twenty, thirty thousand followers and. Boom, it gets shut down every heard, time. Yeah. It keeps getting shut down, shut down, shut down. So now we're kind of just quiet. We'll just repost stories and that's it, you know? Because, and why? Like, let the, let the product sell through and, like, what's the point? Haters, like, bro. Right. There's haters out there, you know? Like, people don't want to see you do good. Or if you're out there and you're not doing as good, people hate on you, right? So a lot of this shit is people just reporting out of the hate where we're not even doing anything that's going across, like, regulations or doing anything wrong like that. It's just straight 
you know, haters. They have companies that that will pay people to put bad information out for you, you know? Like, that's that's another part of the shitty world of the legal side is where some of these big companies or whatever that aren't doing good, they'll literally pay guys to go on Reddit and just trash you just because they see that you're doing like better. bot farm shit. Yeah. Is that what happens to your Instagram? Like, you start to grow and, and blow up, and then, you know, other companies do, like, bot farm sort of, like, reporting? Is exactly, that you think? Exactly, that's what it is? Exactly, Holy bro. shit, that's that, weird. You get also, like, now, too, there's a lot of people that rep these certain brands right so if you're a rep to that brand and they're paying you or whatever and now it's almost like you can't show that you like somebody else so it's almost like you got to go attack those people or say something negative for you to boost your brand up right so there's companies out there that actually pay people to do this you know so i wonder if that's a function of just having uh too much like corporate money in the in the system or something because that just seems so backwards and like yeah. antithetical to what the whole industry is supposed exactly. to be you know exactly because the industry started off backwards bro they started off where yeah. they worried yeah. they it was all about like just saying we have tons and tons of product it was never about quality right so for us everything is quality over everything right so anything we put out would have to be enjoyed or we would want to smoke it for us to put it out you know, so Andrew's time spent in those dark rooms is being, you know, it's turning out well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the product for is good. For it's sure, working. bro. We just keep and that's where, you know, we make a really good team because it's like we just want to keep doing better, even though it's like we have amazing numbers, amazing strains. It's always how can we get it better? How can we do better? How can we grow better? You know, and it's like that's how we just every day. I like, you know, we always talk about what's next, right? So is that what it always comes down to when you're looking at improving the business? Is it always product, 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 or is it sort of like also strategy and, and structure where you're looking at, okay, let's, let's allocate all of our effort and our product into BC because you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or is it always product with you? It's start, it's starting to get like that. Like again, we're learning, right? We're just guys from the street that like we're finding is, yeah. out all this shit with corporate stuff and how things <laughs> yeah. work and how to deal with people. Cause like imagine going into a meeting with these big corporate people but you know we don't speak the same we don't we're on that same vibe all that kind of stuff so it's very different right yeah um with us we just everything is that's why we stay with our quality you know it's like if if it's not there we're not running it you know and what is that so you say quality what does that mean what does that mean for a connoisseur which i am not as we know but what would that mean like what would they say about strains versus xyz you know what i mean like is it higher thc better terpene profile see i know some words yeah it's a that, that's amazing bro it's all it's all those things together right, right. so though i would say the only one checkbox that sometimes we're okay with is the look of it you know Everything else has to be on point when it comes to terps, the nose, the taste, all those things have to be at 100 for us, you know? The only thing sometimes we give away is the look because people, you know, you can find super high-end trees that maybe doesn't have that crazy beautiful look on it. Not but Instagrammable, but it's great product exactly, kind of thing. You know, where like to give you a perfect example, our varnish vapor, it's one of the it's one of the highest THC cannabises on the market today. It just hit like thirty eight percent, you know, wow. almost five percent turbs, four point seven or something like that. So crazy flavor. But if you look at it, it doesn't look as crazy as our runts. Our runts is like a super beautiful looking plant where it's purples, caked, all that stuff. But 
when you smoke that varnish, if you look at the reviews, everyone's like, bro, this slaps my face off. Right. Everybody calls it the AKA <laughs> outa, you know, because they have yeah. to out their spliff because it's too strong, right? And so this is what shows us, like, look, at, at first glance, somebody might be like, oh, this is not as pretty. Even though it looks, it still looks fire to us because we can appreciate and know the differences between certain plants, right? right. It doesn't have to have that look for it to be crazy, right? So... For us, that's the only checkbox that we kind of let slide. Everything else has to hit all the marks, you know? And like Andrew could tell you, he looks for certain things, and we talk about certain things with looking for the in the plant, right? So, right. That's an interesting brand proposition, too. Like, not really caring what it looks like as long as it works and is qu high quality. That's yeah. Awesome. We want it to look good. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, it's great. But if we find a string, because we phenol hunt. If we find one that, you know, is like, we could have found a way better looking varnish, but it might not hit all those other marks, right? Got so yeah. we take the main shit of the enjoyableness of smoking that joint, right? Understood. At the end of the day, too, there's people are smoking it, you know? So if it... If it tastes like smoke, nobody's going to smoke it again. You know, it, right. Like, it has to have a, like, when you smell it in the bag, there has to be, like, a translation to when you're smoking it. Like, it should, it should taste like what you've smelled. Kind like of a wine-ish. Exactly. Where it all know? ties in with the senses. Exactly. You don't want to just light it and then all of a sudden, like, you know, it has a taste and then the rest of the three quarters, it's just smoke, right. you know? Like, that's, like, our main thing we want to look for because... Like THC doesn't make weed good, you know, and it seems like that's what the the like people are pushing right <laughs> now. I guess like the right. the legal side, you know, and it, THC like to be honest, like who cares about it? You know, it's it's more or less like did you smoke that and enjoy it? You know, like gotcha. thirty years of buying weed in Ziploc bags and shit on right. the black market. I never once seen a, a right. THC number, you know, right, and, right. and honestly, I didn't even care. Because You've never called back your dealer and said, is this actually 26.7? You don't shop like that in the streets, like, right? It, it's all yeah. bullshit, you know, like, yeah. let's be real. I can take our weed to five different labs and get five completely different THC right. results. Exactly. Totally. What, what is that telling then consumer? Nothing at all. You know, if our weed comes out at like. 26 then 36 then 30 it's the same weed in the bag the same taste the same smell the same everything the same price we're not changing right. or doing anything weird like that so it's it's just like uh, over time the consumer base is going to realize that if you're going off thc you're losing out you're yeah. losing on a lot of good strains that you would have enjoyed trying so yeah. Right. It's, it's just it, yeah. It's just it's just like mm. alcohol, bro. Like, does anybody go mm. into the juice store and be like, "Yo, what's the highest percentage alcohol in here? To, yeah. I need I that used shit." To do that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess some, some people, <laughs> you know, I got that one. <laughs> but you know, you know, what I'm saying it's very very seldom that that's what people go in and they know what they like. They, it's not about them going in. Maybe, yes, alcoholics will go in and be like, yo, I want the highest shit. But, like, the, the rest of the public going, knowing what they like. Okay, right. you know what? I like this type of brand of wine. That's what I'm buying. Or that flavor of wine, and that's what I'm buying. This alcohol, this tequila, I like 1942 because of that flavor, the, the feel of it, all that kind of stuff, right? They're not going at it being like, 
oh, this tequila is more more t- uh, more alcohol than this next tequila, you know? So it's like, it's just time. Eventually, the right. consumer in cannabis will be the same, you know? Yes. It's just so new, right? That's totally. The, that's the thing. And where do you see that going? So how, d- how does that change? How does it happen? Is it just more so like, it's probably just time, honestly, but, exactly. you know, like, where do you see it going? Will it, will it become a thing where, you know, on a billboard on the, the Gardener, it's going to be, you know, the best terpene profile for this pre-roll pack or whatever like where do you see that going see i don't know if it'll ever get to that because again there you know the the world is getting very way more cautious and everything like if you just see mexico just banned smoking too for their whole country right oh, really so, yeah so like this is this type of stuff is gonna be you know because it's all about health and stuff like that that's the new generation of people even though cannabis i look at is healthy but the way of consumption of smoking it might not be healthy for mm-hmm. some people right so i definitely see like maybe some type of advertising opening up maybe not billboards and stuff but maybe loosening up on you know like our packaging and our graphics right. and that kind of stuff right because again to me it's not fair that you can go into a liquor store get a super fancy bottle see inside that bottle but with cannabis you can't have no no graphics you can't have nothing being visible to a customer like it, it makes no sense. You know? It works against the industry too. And like trying to make it open and more acceptable. Um, and then you, you know, you plaster over all these storefronts and you make, you know, no miners in the store. Like I remember going into uh, LCBOs when I was like five and walking with my mom. It's probably yeah. a bad thing to say. Never mind. Yeah. <coughs> that's, no, Moving that's on, the cut per- that out. That's the perfect <laughs> shit right there, bro. Yeah, like, like it was totally normal. To like in, I remember right? that. So. Yeah. That's weird. You think a five-year-old could come into a dispensary right now? You know what I'm saying? Or, like, hold their parents' bag of weed while they shop around the store? Liquor no. store, bro, you see kids pushing the cart around and shit, right? Totally. So it's, uh, it's a little crazy. But the more they see it, I think the more it'll become normalized. Exactly. Too, you know, like, in my house, like, <clears throat> I've always had an ACMPR, so I could leave my weed on the table. I yes. could leave my weed... My kids have no desire to go buy it, to try it. Exactly. They, they don't give a shit about it at all, you know. It's, right. That's dad's medicine, and that's all it is that's to them, it. you know. Yeah. It's not, if I was like, oh, like, you know, if I was, I don't know. If, if I you make it magic, it becomes kind of magical. Exactly, you know, and they'll get curious probably. Right. Like, well, what is that, you know? What's he always right. going there to do or <laughs> whatever it yeah. might be, right? But now it's just like, oh, I, I don't like the smell of it. I don't, you know, yeah. they, they don't care about it. It's nothing totally. to them. So it's like giving a sip of red wine to like a nine year old. And they're like, well, nope, nope. <laughs> coffee, same yeah. thing. So yeah. how do you yeah. talk about to your kids about it? Like just as a general rule, is it's sort of like it's medicine. Is that's how you treat that's it? That's how it, I started with them, you know, right. just because you don't know, like when they're young, what they're going to go to school and yeah. say and all that. So I just, you know what, like this is medicine. It's, it is legal for me. So I don't have to tell them anything about the police or nothing. Like right, that. Right. It's just. This is the medicine. This is what we ch- I choose to use, or whatever you yeah. know. So and what what would they? What would you say to them if they chose to uh, consume it uh, at a uh, an early age? Would you say just wait till you're eighteen, or what? <laughs> for, for me, I don't yeah, know, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll <laughs> wait till we get there. Kind of thing. Yeah, like you I have to see how they are too. Yeah. you know, like exactly. If, exactly. I don't know. You know, you some kids wait. are responsible. That's so true. You know, and yeah, so true. I'm not saying yeah, I would give a ki- give young kids weed and no, stuff, no, no. but like 
everyone's different you for know? sure and no, it's funny like it, like you say like our kids are anti it you know because they've been around it so much you know my kids cool no to him like he's been around like in the gardens picking leaves this stuff from like three years old but to him it was just whatever you know it's not it's not something that's crazy or he no. wants to have a part of now he's older that he sees it and he's just like no that uh, i don't want to even totally don't, you know so it's it's in a way it's good because like other friends of our kids who've always hit it and who've always been like so kind of anti with it with them those are the kids that are now like trying to get it and steal it from them and trying to do all those things right totally. so it's a it's, tale as old as time like i remember in high school the parents that would like make it okay not uh taboo necessarily like have a beer when you're watching the football game or whatever when you're 16 those kids never had an issue generally with booze where it's the ones that sort of like make it this magical thing that you're like dying to try. And there's like another world you got to unlock. Um, there's also a lot of genetics in that shit as well though. (laughs) But, uh, um, so do you find that there's, uh, like as you're, I mean, you're taking over the country now. So is there a big difference in, in, uh, you know, province to province or is it generally sort of like drop it at the wholesaler get the deal and you're and you're and you're off or what uh no there is a big difference actually from like consumption amounts like how much like a province will order oh, true, to true. also also the fact of like different rules right so like somewhere like saskatchewan their their government doesn't run it like how ocs does it so they're actually store based so a store can order directly from you you know, right. where here in Ontario, the stores have to get it from OCS, yeah. where some of the provinces allow direct. They don't have that middleman. So it's much better when it comes down to like pricing and stuff, because that middle person is not taking their cut anymore. Right. right. So that way. But the size of orders that provinces do is a huge difference. Like, And I'm, it's one shot. Like you're good. Kind yeah. Of thing. It's not like you're trying to get. 14 different retailer deals going and you have to have a huge team. That's where it makes it a little easier, you know, where it's like by dealing with one distribution company, you're giving like, say, 10,000 cases to one person opposed to trying to sell 10,000 cases to like 500 stores, you know? So that's where it's, uh, that's where it helps a lot. But at the same time, it also causes a lot of logistic issues and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's really easy to criticize. Um, and then the market is so nascent, like this is brand new. I mean, so like if you were to say, look at that Saskatchewan model, the problem with that is then if you're a big operator that's financed corporately, like uh, through an LP, like a large sort of public company, then you have buying power and all the independents are gone. Every independent retailer will be gone because yeah. it's like you can you can get pr- pricing power, purchasing power and push other people out of the market. But whereas like in Ontario, you know, you're having this 30 percent essentially tax on everything that goes through so then it's just a commodity market here so i think it'll find its legs as it just as time naturally moves on i mean we're like six years in now so like it feels like it's finding some sort of foundation you know it is it is you know what it is it is getting better i have to say even with like the regulation standpoint health canada is understanding more listening to us more so easing up on certain things that they're seeing that like just because it's cannabis, we don't need to be regulated so crazy. Like, it's something yeah. insane. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like totally. everything that they thought was going to happen wrong never really happened. You know what I'm saying? So now it's time I to... I did turn into a puddle on a couch once, though. Yeah. That did happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one was that from? <laughs> that was your, your strain. The yeah. Turd varnish. W- wicked. Wicked. Um, 
Okay, so I think um, I kind of want to do a little bit of a segment here um, just to sort of help people like me, cannabis idiots who are new to it and want to kind of, you know, get a sense for what these terms that they hear. Like, I still don't really get a, uh, have a real knowledge of it. So from a master grower, master growers, I'm going to just run through for You're pretty uh, good, bro. Industry. You have it pretty good on point, I have to say. For oh, a thanks, new dude. Yeah, bro. I'm yeah. impressed, man. Good for pretending. Sure. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I'm going to give you a term and just like what, just give me your Wikipedia understanding of it, what you think it is. So like genetics. If we were to talk about genetics, what does that mean to you? To me, it's like the different cultivars, so all the different type of strains. that. So we have a crazy genetics library with over 100 different strains of all the top and most exclusive stuff out there. So that's nice. my, my thing for genetics. Gotcha, cool. Yeah. Nice. Andrew, you got anything to add on that? That's pretty much it, man. Just different, you know, different flavors, different looks, terp- um, different ter- profiles and stuff, you know, it's but... It's 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 like making kids, you know. It's just like you have a mom and a dad, and the kids come out a little different every time. That's what it is. <laughs> so do you? Uh, so certain strains or certain genetics uh, will have various like properties that are only affiliated to that, and then you marry them together, say an X and a Y, and like then it has both properties, kind of thing. Yeah. But and but you're saying that it can like it's not it's not like. You like, know, coding where it's like one to one. There's different, like if the soil is slightly different, you've got a different thing going on, right? Yeah. So that yeah. that's more like I guess maybe like a phenotype expression. So you, you know, like Uh-oh. if if but if you like <laughs> if you cross two two like strains together, and you know your X and your Y, like the seeds that are produced from that, they're all going to be different seeds. So some could lean more towards the X, some could lean towards the Y. Some will be like a, a combination right. more of both. So, and then now once you have that plant, it's almost like every environment you put that same plant in, it's going to perform differently. Holy shit. So there's probably like trillions of these strains. Absolutely, oh my man. God. That's why they call it pheno hunting. Cause you can get, say, so what is, sorry, what is a phenotype? What is a pheno? S- that, that is like an, a name for the genetics of it. It's, it's the type. So you could have, say you, you pop a hundred seeds of pink kush, you can have a hundred different phenols of that pink oh, kush now. God, so yeah. each phenol has a different characteristics, even though it's from that same plant. I see. Understood. So that's where when you phenol hunt, you're f- trying to find the best for that genetic. So some might grow short, some might grow tall, some might grow in the middle, some might have big big buds, some might have small, some might be more crystally. Might that's where you, you're searching for all those checkbox checkbox marks that we were talking about. Gotcha. So we'll pop a whole bunch and then we'll say, okay, does this one has the nose, the flavor, the terps, the look? You know, all those. Okay, this one, yeah, that one's crazy, but hey, it didn't grow that well. It doesn't produce that much. Or this one, because it grows too big, it lost its nose or didn't have as much turbulence, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like you're a curator. Like at the beginning point, like say you're you're to start today, you're sort of going and looking at, how do you phenotype, by the way? Is it looking through like, online or are you looking at are you going to farms and like looking at shit like sorry it's, it's in your it's in your own garden so it's like oh, okay. it's our our seeds you know or where we ever like we purchase the seeds from the breeder Got and it. then we germinate all the seeds and we basically grow them all out to kind of see how each one of those seeds expresses itself that's so, amazing yeah and then you pick basically the one you like from from that lineup 
Right, based on what you're looking for, whatever sort of concept or like strategy that you want to get, right? Because yeah. you'll okay. try all these, you'll take through the full growth cycle and then try them. So then that's when you're like, okay, it had all these characteristics while it was growing. Now that it's cured and dried, that it has all these flavors and characteristics that we're looking for. If so, boom, that's the keeper. Everything else we get rid of and we keep that mom and now we commercialize it and start cutting and so that in order to test something, it takes what a year. So like, if you're like, wow, this is these things are these phenotypes are great. Let's let's see what they come out with, and then you have to do the full process. Exactly. Holy shit! Yeah, that's crazy. That's so where this it is takes like, longer. That's a right? it's a lifetime endeavor, yeah. <laughs> obviously. And we're running it more than once too. So exactly. even like after we say, okay, okay, this is I think this is the one. We're gonna run it one or two more times before it's before we do anything with just it, to make you know? sure that that's actually exactly. like repeatable. Is that why basically? Kinda, yeah. yeah. And then I, I, you know, like for at home and stuff like that, you kind of just could pop a seed and you you like the flavor, you keep it, right? But on the commercial side, you know, like does it root good? Does it veg good? Does uh, it flower? Like all the other kind of aspects, scalable kind of questions. Exactly. exactly. Can we commercialize yeah. it? Basically. Gotcha. And so once you have this in your hand, um, it's got to be absolutely exhausting trying to, like, determine. Once you get to that, like, last three and you're like, okay, which one? Yeah. Like, how? I guess you really have to come back to what your initial strategy was, right? Yeah. Because, like, how do you make that decision? That's, that's tough. tough. Yeah, bro. That's <laughs> why we do, we're starting to do cool shit where it's like we'll, we'll do an event or whatever. So we just did a winterized event, and then we brought jars of our testers. So, like, then we played a game with people at the event. Yo, if you win your Plinko, if you win this game, we give you a jar of this new shit for you to try. You know? Nice. So we had probably, like, what, eight, nine different testers or something like that all different ones that we're just testing. So now we're getting the feedback before we even commercialize, you know? So oh, yeah. for us, we're, even though we kind of like being in this for so long, bro, you, our knowledge is what's so, such a, right. you know, big part of it that people don't have. So we can take any strain, try and be like, yep, this is the one or not, nah, this doesn't have it. Right? right. So that's where it's like, we can kind of, know what's going to do good or not. Right? Totally. And you don't have the alphabet soup after your name either. So yeah. like speaking to that, would you, were you like trying to get poached? Did anyone try and poach you for your knowledge and time oh, for yeah, this? Bro. Like where, you know, an LP is going, look, just come grow for us versus doing yeah. your own thing. It's pretty dicey. Yeah. <laughs> we've had, honestly, bro, we've had all the biggest companies come and approach of approach us, you know, Canopy, Terrascent, Tilray's, everybody in the beginning, you know, even till now they, they try to even buy our product to put in their bags and stuff. Right. But oh. we kind of stayed, I stayed true. Oh, we labeling. stayed true to our, our culture, bro. You know what I'm saying? We didn't want to get into bed with like corporate people that we wouldn't mesh with and stuff like that. Cause that's the other thing. A big key part of it is like everybody at our spot, bro, they're all legacy people. I brought them from all my friends places right, that right, were right. shutting down or yeah. whatever so it's like the vibe's different a lot of legacy people can't get along too well with corporate people it's a whole different you oh, know definitely oil energy. and vinegar oil and water whatever yeah. that is yeah milk, right? milk and cheese yeah <laughs> it's, it's true bro you know so it was like imagine meeting these guys suited ties this that and the third and they have no no clue about actual cannabis, you know? Yeah, I'll yeah. give them, they know a lot of shit about business, you know? But right. but they, they might come and try and force you to grow something that looks better on exactly. paper, but your, you know, your strategy and your mindset exactly. is to, you know, you want the product itself to be, no exactly. matter what it looks like. Do you have a lot of companies that release SKUs 
on a hoping it does good type of basis, right? Where like, look, we have four SKUs in the market. All four SKUs do amazing. You yeah. know, we you don't stand behind behind. Exact, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Right. All right. One more or a couple more actually. So Sativa versus Indica. Where is your approach on that? I feel like it's kind of like that meme where you're mm-hmm. like an idiot and then the bell curve goes up and everyone's arguing about Sativa and Indica. And then the Jedi master comes back down. It's Sativa versus Indica. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like you can argue about it. Yeah. So what's your take on it? Is that like, uh, should I be, is that what I should be asking people? Well, or I'm what? kind of biased to Indica, you know what I'm saying? Cause like for me, my, I was my body in a person. I need it because Sativa gets me way too riled up. My heart <laughs> right. starts going crazy, all that type of shit. Right. So for me, I'm a, Originally, just I have mad energy. I could be bouncing off the walls, and that's why Indica works good for me. It keeps right. me calm, settled. I can sit here. If I wasn't, I'd be like, yo, okay, like, uh, uh, you know, Welcome all over my the life. place, right? Yeah, yeah right? So nice. I'm always, I'm always going to love the Indica, nice. and I'm on that side. This guy, probably I would say the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I like smoking the, the Indica leaning strains and stuff like that, so... It's definitely, I guess, like, I don't know. It's just, a, I guess that term even is just something that everyone uses. Like, everyone knows, you know? Yeah. A lot of people say it's wrong to describe it that way. But, like, right. at this point, everyone just knows it like that. So, it's yeah. easy to explain it to somebody else that way. And right. Sativa and Indica, they just kind of know what you're talking about. You totally. Know? So. Red or white. Yeah. yeah go. And majority, to be honest, it's all hybrid nowadays because everything's freaking crossed with something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So How could it not be? I mean, there's like eight trillion. <laughs> I mean, holy <laughs> exactly, crap. There's like exactly, bro. You know, types coming around. So, all right, one more. So terpenes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting an education on this from our uh, wholesale manager, Morris. But okay. terpenes are sort of like the floral notes that are associated with cannabis. They can also have some functionality. I mean, is that basically right or absolutely what's your guys take on that well terpenes i'll I'll let him get into more but terpenes pretty much comes down to all the different like flavors so each terpene can have like say you know rustic woody this uh, cinnamon something that like every and there's over a hundred terpenes you should write descriptors those are good (laughs) rustic woody i'm like i like that one yeah bro so each (laughs) one depending so when we do our terpene test that's also a why we our our trees are super high end is that we hit crazy numbers with our terps. So they're always fully like how he's saying that take this in sometimes. When you smoke a joint, right? When you burn it, see how long that flavor lasts if it lasts all the way to the end or if it's your first like say quarter of the joint and then after that it's just kind of rough you know so when you burn i gave you a bag of the runts right when you burn that you tell me what how the flavor was all the way down to the end i bet you you're gonna get that whole flavor where a lot of places a lot of a lot of stuff it's just in the beginning and then it's kind of like he's saying smoke you know Mm. so like the higher the terpene the more flavor like we always say with the varnish it just you take that draw and boom it fills your mouth with like crazy flavors right? right so and then it's it's full where it's not like some some trees you'll burn it and it's very lackluster. There's no, there's nothing to it. You know, it's very bland, right? Thin. Yeah. Where ours, you'll be able to get full flavor every draw. Dude, it know? is kind of becoming like wine. It exactly. really is. It's like exactly. full bodied. You know, like these uh, um, terpenes are just sounding like the sort of like tart cherry and yeah. you know oak like barrel. You can tell you are when we do the terpene tests. There's so many, but then you. They'll stick out like, oh, limonol or whatever will have like 8% or thing, you know, and we take the highest oh, yeah. ones to show what it, 
that way people can look and right away be like, oh, this shit's going to taste like this. You yeah, know? yeah. Gotcha. Is there, is there an interplay between those uh, variables, like terpenes versus THC percentage versus CBD? Do those, like, play? is there, like, a little fucking formula going on? There, there is kind of a formula, you know, and, like, especially what we've noticed, too, you know, like, growing the same strains over and over, like, we can grow these same strains to get higher THC numbers or bigger yields. But honestly, at the end of the day, it affects the terpenes. It affects okay. the taste, right? So like yeah. it has, everything has to be kind of together. Like if, if, a, if a plant wants to put out medium sized buds, like, and you make it grow large, you can make it grow large buds, but it's not going to taste the same anyway. The quality is not going to be there. You know, same right. thing with like THC. Sure. You could, you could grow it so the the higher there's higher numbers and stuff like that but it's like we're just trying to grow it so like to let the plant like express itself how it's supposed to rather than trying to get you know like oh we want we want an extra key of light or something like we're not we're not trying to do that you know so it's just yeah we're just trying to let the plant grow how it's supposed to grow and and that's that's it you know that's where we're getting the taste everything from Obviously, we do things to try and preserve terpenes and stuff through our process, but generally, it's just like we're not just trying to like go super hard on the plant and mm-hmm. like you know we're trying to we're trying to just let it grow, try and be in rhythm with it, like yeah. we talked about exactly. Yeah. Man. Cause Cause like go ahead. Well, no, just because like he's saying, a lot of people that's how they like these companies they want those big huge colas and this and that, right? Like we know because of tests that we've done, like where we could take that same plant blow it out so that it is a bigger yield and this and that but it is 100% not as enjoyable as when we keep it at that medium size you know Mm -hmm. our numbers are better our terps are better all these different things right so um, for us again it comes back to quality right so like even in the legacy side bro you'll see like enough people have packs now that are all big nugs and just look beautiful and all that but it's all fugazi it's all pgr shit Right. Uh, so yeah. it's it's not good for you. Smoking anything with PGR is 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 risk of cancer and shit. Right. So oh. that's where it's like we if you look, all our buds are like they're decent size, but they're not huge like that where, you know, something's being, you know, modified and GMO shit's and, happening. Yeah. You know, some weird <laughs> shit. Right. So that's pretty admirable. And it's a pretty cool story. I think uh, just to wrap this up on that note is uh, is that you guys are really focused on product first. And that came out uh, talking to you and that you know you're letting the plant dictate where it wants to go without forcing anything on it and you're you know remaining in rhythm and you're not uh, you're not doing anything that isn't you know authentic or genuine to you guys it comes off very natural and that's awesome I think you guys are real cool and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the kindling podcast thank you brother thank you for having us man it was super dope you know it's uh, even for us this is all kind of new doing these interviews and podcasts Same. and stuff but yeah you did you did amazing bro <laughs> thanks you did dude super super, super cool show you know because another thing too is there's a lot of people that try to do some stuff like this but it doesn't turn out very thing you know this is a dope you know dope connection right here thanks man appreciate it yeah, Andrew man. I appreciate you coming thank you thanks for having me man alright Thank you.